Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this is the greatest time of the day. From the center of the universe, New York City, it's the main event you've been waiting for. It's time to go in the cage with Cyclone! Messiah has come home once again. It is fat man sweating degrees outside here today, this Monday, May 20th. Oh. And if you're not a fat man, that means it's over 80 degrees. I really want to fall back. I want to fall back. Um. Anyways, we have so much to talk about. We're going to be talking, obviously, MMA. We got some wrestling to talk about, but we're going to start it all off with the sweet science, and we have a special guest on the hotline. He is the boxing prophet, Richard Solomon. Richard, how are you? I'm good, Cyclone. A huge fan of your work, and um, let me just say that I uh, I like the way it sounds, the Cyclone and, and the boxing prophet. Sounds like a, sounds like a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I am a mess, so, <laughs> um, so right off the bat, I gotta ask you, when was it that you first fell in love with boxing? Probably the late 70s, uh, everyone has their sports heroes, uh, growing up, and, uh, Muhammad Ali, with the, with the exception of, of course, my parents, uh, Muhammad Ali was my hero. Unfortunately, I was a little bit too young to see him in his prime when he fought Smoking Joe Frazier and uh, Ken Norton three times, uh, respectively. But I saw Ali at the tail end of his career uh, when he was beaten by Leon Spinks, and then he, he beat uh, Spinks in the uh, rematch to recapture the heavyweight championship for, at the time, was a record uh, third time. And then, of course, he got destroyed by Larry Holmes in what was one of the most depressing fights I've ever seen. And then he ended his career by losing a decision to Trevor Burbick. But I always loved Ali. He turned me on to boxing. And ever since then, it was just my favorite sport. It became a passion of mine. So what if, if you had to choose like a Sophie's Choice sort of deal, what would you say is the one thing that you love most about it? The most I love about boxing is that there are no teammates um, and it's it's just you against another man. It's one-on-one -on -one competition. And obviously there are judges who turn in horrible uh, decisions and there are incompetent referees. But for the most part, you know, you win and lose on your own. And, and I just love the sweet science of it. You know, a lot of people... 
I love wars. I love great fights. The Thriller in Manila, of course. Uh, the first Arturo Gatti, Mickey Ward fight. The first Diego Corrales, Jose Luis Castillo fight. But I also love uh, the fact that it's hit and not get hit. You know, a lot of people are turned off by Floyd Mayweather Jr., his style in the ring. Uh, and back in the 90s, it was Pernell Sweet P. Whitaker, also Long Island Zone, James Buddy McGirt. Uh, I used to be a huge fan of. I, I like boxers. I like fighters who jab, move around the ring. Uh, Andre Ward once said that the jab has become a lost art in boxing. And it, and it really has. And people, like I said, people like toe-to-toe action. But I always admired boxing for the for the uh, for the sweet science aspect of it all, you know, um, just hit and not get hit, that type of style. Similarly, um, what would you say is the one? Th- if you had to choose one thing that you would hate more than anything about boxing, probably the politics about how you can't make. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to this later on in the show. But all the boxing politics, and you can't make that the two fights that diehard boxing fans like you and I uh, would pay good money to see right now uh, Errol Spence Jr. against Terrence Crawford and Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder can't get made because of boxing politics and I also um, you know can't stand uh, incompetent judges but you know the thing is uh, Cyclone I don't really think it's incompetence I think it's more corruption I mean, you, you take a look and you, and you go back years, years ago when Floyd Mayweather fought Canelo Alvarez. Floyd Mayweather won at least nine out of 12 rounds. And one judge, C.J. Ross, who will live in infamy, who was, who was later banned from the sport, she scored the fight a draw. That's not incompetence. That's corruption. So, it, and I have a lot of judges that are good friends of mine. So I usually don't like to call out judges on the air, but it's stuff like that, that, that give boxing a real black eye and it, and it turns them away because casual fans probably turned into the Mayweather Canelo fight and said, how am I supposed to take this sport seriously and watch another prize fight again? So those, those are the things that are, that are, that are hurting the sport that I, that you and I both love so passionately. Why do you think boxing's gotten that rep to, to be dirty, to be unhanded. It's just the way it is. It's, it's been that way for, for centuries. I mean, uh, if you were, you remember the, the, the famous movie raging bull, uh, Jake LaMotta had to throw a fight, uh, due to pressure from the mob. Uh, there were even rumors to this day that Sonny Liston took a dive against Cassius Clay in their rematch because he was threatened by the mob. It's just really been kind of uh, kind of crooked, you know, and, 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 and the fact that house the fact the fact that house fighters always seem to get the decision when when they fight uh, trial horses per se. You know, if it's a close fight, they're always gonna give it to the prospect over the veteran because the prospect has to keep his undefeated record intact. And it's, you know, it's like that in other combat sports as well, but I guess more so in boxing. And it's gotten to the point where 
you know, it's a little bit ridiculous. There are fights where, let's say, an undefeated fighter uh, fights a guy who has six losses, and it's a 10-round fight. And on my scorecard, the undefeated fighter wins six rounds to four. You'll have judges that'll score it 9-1, 10-0, all for the uh, undefeated fighter. So it's not, you know, it's, 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 it's not uh, good enough for the undefeated fighter to win. He has to win convincingly on the scorecards, which, which kind of annoys me as well. But that's just the way the sport has been. Uh, I like to look at the pros Instead of the uh, instead of the cons, you know, and dwell on the positives about all the the great fights that have taken place over the, over the last couple of years, and will be made this year, and just the fact that now, as you as you're well aware of, boxing is literally on on every channel with the with the invention of uh, all of these apps. Now more than ever, you can view boxing almost uh, like this past weekend, for instance, we had about four shows uh, on four different channels all in a two-day span which is great for the sport as far as i'm concerned now you mentioned uh raging bull before do you have a go-to favorite boxing movie oh by far the first rocky was great but the first rocky will always be uh my favorite boxing movie because you know of course it wasn't about winning it was about going the distance and I remember I was such a young kid at the time. I think I was about seven, eight years old, and I didn't get it. And I came home crying, and my parents said, Rich, didn't you love the movie? And I said, no, I hated it. He lost. And they had to explain to me all about you know, how he was the big underdog, and that it, it, he didn't have to beat Apollo Creed. All he had to do was just give it his all and uh, last the full 15 rounds. And that's a movie I could watch, you know, seven days a week you know the, the first rocky and of course raging bulls a classic that would be in my my top three and i guess the third one would be million dollar baby with uh clint eastwood and hillary swank uh, i like that movie as well see i'm i'm i have a smile on my face the second you said rocky because the whole entire rocky series i can basically say verbatim all of them including the creed movies so I am a huge Rocky fan. Yeah, I used to act out some, some famous scenes in high school because I was always the class clown. So when people wanted to chuckle, they would say, Solomon, give us a little Rocky too. And I would just imitate what, uh, what Mickey would say to Rocky when he was training. So it was pretty... Uh, yeah, everywhere, if you're a boxing fan, it's very hard not to love all the Rocky movies except... Of course, Rocky Five. See, I li I knew uh, you were gonna say it, and I gotta tell you, I like that one too. I don't have an yeah, issue just, with it. Say that again. I don't have an issue with it. I I liked Rocky Five. Slash, you I mean, know, there were bits and pieces. There were bits and pieces of it that I enjoyed. The fact that you know, I don't I don't like how he lost his money. You know, Paulie made bad investments with the uh, I don't know with the. Uh, what was it? The tax guy? Yes. Bad investments. And yeah, and it was just, but I like the fact that he went back to his roots, you know, because a lot of fighters lose their money and they have to go back to the drawing board, so to speak. And he went back to his roots, but the whole like street fight was a little, a little ridiculous. And, you know, as, as good as Antonio Tarver was 
uh, I thought he was good, at least in, in, in Rocky Balboa, which was the, uh, the sixth installment of the franchise. I just didn't like Tommy Morrison. Of course, may he rest in peace. Uh, I always enjoyed his fighting style. I thought he was just a horrible actor. I didn't think he, he came across well in that film at all. All right, so let's delve into heavyweight since we're on the topic of, you know, since Tommy was, you know, a big guy himself. Um, let me start here with you. Do you think Jarrell Miller has done enough where he needs to be permanently banned for life? No ands, no ifs, no buts, just gone. It's tough to say. I mean, he failed three tests, three different samples he failed. And the third sample was was uh, a drug that you can only use by injection. So it's just... Uh, it doesn't look good. Um, I believe he only got a six-month uh, suspension. But, um, listen, it's tough for me to say. I, I, he obviously uh, went on social media, apologized. Uh, you could see he was very distraught. And he's not a bad fighter at all. I mean, he, he, he has talent. Uh, he reminds me of uh, Greg Page and Tony Tubbs from the 80s, except, except he had, uh, you know, more stamina and, and more power than both of them. But um, it, it's tough to say, but I, I'm certainly not against it. If it was me, I, I wouldn't ban him permanently, but I could see why some people uh, would. So that's where I stand on that. What do you think's crazier, okay? Deontay wanting minimum $100 million to fight AJ, so he says, or the fact that, uh, especially since uh, Deontay's biggest payday up till this point has been $14 million. to now want minimum $100 million is a huge jump. Or do you think it's crazier that Errol Spence wants a 60-40 split against Terrence Crawford? Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's interesting because at first I thought it was Eddie Hearn and uh, AJ who went out of their way to duck Deontay Wilder uh, a couple of years ago, and now I'm beginning to think it's um, Shelley Finkel and Al Heyman who who really don't want the fight. I mean, it's it, it's tough to say. I think AJ, you know, if you're AJ, you don't really need Deontay. I mean, let, let's keep it real. Deontay Wilder needs. Anthony Joshua a lot more than Anthony Joshua needs Deontay Wilder. I mean, AJ can, can go to Cardiff, Wales, and, and he could fight Carlos to come, and 80,000 people will come see the fight. I mean, you, you, you can't. And Deontay Wilder, although he's a brutal puncher, he attracts like 14,000 people wherever he fights. So um, it, it's just... The, the fight has to be made. It's, it's the most important fight, I think, in boxing that, that, that can be made now, more so than Errol Spence against um, uh, uh, Terrence Crawford, only because it's heavyweights. And, and boxing fans who aren't mainstream fans will tune in because, remember, we never got to see Lennox Lewis against Riddick Bowe. And I remember, because uh, I, I actually went to the first Riddick Bowe Evander Holyfield fight. I was there live. From, I think it was a 24th birthday present from my parents. So I flew, flew to Vegas with my older brother. 
and uh, Riddick Bowe defeated Holyfield, and Lennox Lewis knocked out Razor Ruddock, and the whole world thought we were get, we were going to get a unification bout between Bowe and Lewis, and it never happened. And so uh, when they interviewed him on Sky Sports uh, after he destroyed Dominic Brazil over the weekend, Deontay Wilder even said, we don't want another Bowe Lewis situation. Just let us do our thing, be patient, and you'll see the fight. So I'm guessing that they're both going to milk it for all it's worth. They're going to take on challengers who aren't that great, like like um, Wilder just took on Brazil. And um, in a couple of weeks, we'll have AJ fighting at Madison Square Garden, which should be amazing. The atmosphere is going to be insane against uh, um, Andy Ruiz Jr., and um, I believe that the fight will happen, you know, by, uh, with the exception of Bo Holyfield. Most of the super fights that boxing fans dream of eventually come to fruition, even if it's five years too late. Perfect example is Mayweather Pacquiao. Of course, they didn't fight in their prime, but they did eventually fight each other. And, you know, Trinidad fought uh, Oscar De La Hoya and Mike Tyson fought Lennox Lewis. Those are the two key fights. Remember, when Lennox Lewis fought Mike Tyson and um, Lennox Lewis, excuse me, when Lennox Lewis fought Mike Tyson and Floyd Mayweather fought Manny Pacquiao, HBO and Showtime respectively had to work together to make those fights happen. So if there's big enough money, you have to believe that all these super fights will happen. And Errol Spence, uh, is in the same situation with Terrence Crawford that AJ was or is with Wilder. Errol Spence is part of Al Heyman's crew. And unfortunately for Terrence Crawford, he's part of um, ESPN Bob Arum, and there's there's a lack of, of welterweights with Bob Arum. I mean, he just beat Amir Khan, who's way past his prime, there are rumors that next up for Terrence Crawford is Kel Brook, which will totally be a, be, be a black eye for Crawford. I mean, Kel Brook is shot. I think Amir Khan could be Kel Brook if the fight was announced tomorrow. So I don't know what, what Aram is doing there. And Errol Spence, the world is his oyster. I mean, you could fight the winner of Pacquiao against Keith Thurman Jr., which is going to take place over the summer. Um... Also, there were rumors that Danny Garcia might fight Mikey Garcia. So, um, obviously, Errol Spence just beat Mikey Garcia. But if Danny Garcia wins that fight, Errol Spence could could fight him. And um, there, there were, I mean, as I heard that Errol Spence was supposed to fight Sean Porter over the summer. But rumor has it that Errol Spence is slowly but surely pricing himself out of that fight. And I don't know why, because I've always believed that Sean Porter is an overachiever. I think he's a little tiny bit overrated. You know, he's the type of fighter that smothers you and headbutts you and throws a lot of punches to your to your arms and doesn't land clean shots. I actually thought that in his last fight, the Cuban Ugas beat him. And uh, that was one of my uh, great predictions. I said that on my scorecard, I would have Ugas winning. But because Sean Porter is the quote-unquote money fighter, he'll get the split decision victory, and that's exactly what happened. Porter was awarded with a very controversial split decision. But I think Errol Spence would 
not only beat Sean Porter, but knock him out, or at least stop him by TKO. So it boggles my mind uh, if that fight doesn't come to fruition. But I do honestly believe if you if you put a gun to my head right now and say, Prophet, will Errol Spence and uh, Terrence Crawford, as well as Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua, will these fights both happen? I say yes. They might not happen right away. It might take a couple of years. But they will both happen. The only concern I have about the Crawford-Spence fight is, is that Spence is a huge welterweight. And he, he may not be able to stay at 147 for a long time. And there are rumors out there. I don't know if it's started by the, the uh, Twitter people or what have you not. But there are rumors that Spence, I don't think he'll jump up to 160 to face Canelo. But I would not be shocked at all if they offered Spence like 20 to $30 million, and he faces Canelo at like a catch weight if for some reason the uh, Crawford fight never materializes. Now, look, th- there's mandatory opponents for everybody, basically. So why can't commissions just say, you know what, we have to have a unified champion. You are fighting this guy this day, no ands, ifs, or buts. And let it happen. Just let it happen. In a perfect world, that would be the case. But the the uh, the alpha, which is I like to call them, they, they there are sanctioning fees involved, and that's why you have basically three champions or four champions per weight class. I mean, back in the old days, there were only what, in the, in the 40s and 50s, there were only weight, eight weight classes. Now you have 17 weight classes, and you have different promoters, and no one's, no one's loyal to each other. So uh, it's, 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 it's very, very tough. You know, it, it, it's tough with the, with, with the different promoters. And now you have, um, and it's good for boxing, but it's also bad because you have ESPN Plus, the app, and you have the zone and all these different networks that are showing boxing, and they're all trying to s- steal fighters away from each other. And, um, and, you know, like I said, there's no such thing as loyalty. I mean, Mikey Garcia sat out two years, wasted two years of his prime because he didn't want to deal with Bob Arum anymore. I mean, this is where we're at. And Mikey Garcia had so many great fights that, that were there for the taking. And, and he said, screw it. I, I don't want to deal with Bob Arum anymore. And he wasted basically two years of his life. And this is where we're at. And it's not only with boxing. It's with all sports. You know, people, fighters especially today, I noticed, they don't care about their legacies. When I was growing up in the 80s, you saw Sugar Ray Leonard, Thomas the Hitman Hearns, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, Roberto Duran. They all fought each other. Not not for necessarily for the money, although of course that helped. But it was it was it was for their legacy. Let's see who the best man is. And now they they fighters price themselves out of fights, but it's like that in every sport: basketball, hockey, football. It's not about legacies anymore. It's about how much money I can get. You know, show me the money. To take a take a, a quote from the infamous Jerry Maguire movie. So, but, um, yeah, in a perfect world, the best would fight the best all the time. And that used to be the way it was. But 
let's face it, we've, we've become a society now uh, in sports, not only in boxing, but in every sport where money, you know, it may even be more important than championships. You know, people leave teams they don't even who who can win championships just to get uh, more money to play on a, on a team that won't even make the playoffs. So it's just the just the world we live in today, Cyclone. It's unfortunate. So speaking of money, and before we let you go, um, by the way, I want to thank you for your time um, for stopping by. How can uh, everybody uh, get a hold of you and all your great picks? Yes, well. Uh, you can you can always go to realcombatmedia.com, uh, uh, and I'd like to thank the CEO, Anthony L. Gonzalez, who has been instrumental in helping me build my uh, boxing profit brand. Um, you can check my Facebook page, Richard Solomon, or Twitter, uh, BoxingProfit68, and um, every week I, I post my picks, um, and it's anywhere between... 10 to 12 fights uh, per week. And it's not only the main fight, Cyclone. It's undercard fights, obscure fights that no one even knows is um, happening except for hardcore boxing fans. And so I've been on a, on a tremendous roll lately. Over the last 10 weeks, I've accumulated a record of 114 wins, three losses, and six draws. And people will say, well, that's impossible. And I urge all those people to go on my Facebook wall to look at the timeline when I made the picks. And uh, you'll know that uh, I take my predictions very seriously. And also, Cyclone, you know, a lot of people uh, have asked me, where did you get the name The Boxing Prophet? And real quickly, because I, I, I know that you have other things to take care of on your show, is that back in February of 1990, I told the whole world that James Buster Douglas was going to knock out Mike Tyson. People laughed at me. They said, what are you smoking? And of course it happened. And we all know, we all saw the signs coming. You know, Tyson was floored in a sparring session by Greg Page. He was living it up and partying in Japan. He was fighting with Robin Givens. Lord knows what, what, what drugs he was taking. And James Buster Douglas was training like a beast. He had, I believe he had lost his mother uh, a couple of weeks uh, prior to the fight. He was in tremendous shape. And Buster Douglas was always a, a, an underachiever. I thought he had a great jab. And we all know what happened after he beat Tyson. He got fat out of shape and Holyfield knocked him out in three one-sided rounds. But I still contend to this day, Cyclone, that if the same James Buster Douglas who beat Mike Tyson, showed up against Evander Holyfield, he would have beaten Holyfield as well. Cool. And on that note, I want to once again say thank you very much for stopping by. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Cyclone. No problem. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care, my friend. All right. Take easy. Bye-bye. Wow. A lot to take in. And guys... We have so much more to get to. Um, I want to remind everybody, click share pretty please. Damn it, pretty please, click share. Um, check out cyclonecomedy.com. I still have that massive sale. Go on the shop page, buy something, and I'm sending you a free gift as well.
So it's two things for the price of one thing. Um, check out EffectiveAggression.com. And uh, when we get back, we're going to talk um, some MMA. And we're going to kick things off with wrestling right after this. This is Frank Edgar. This is the Barbarian, Tim Bosch. I'm World Series of Fighting undefeated lightweight champion, Justin Gaethje. Yeah. MMA legend, UFC Hall of Famer, Ice Man. Check it out. Hey, you got the guts. Step in the cage with Cycle. Okay, so let's talk some money in the bank, right? I got to give the WWE credit. Everything was just about well booked on the card. Um, I got to say that everyone pushed hard. Everyone showed up. Um, some... Curious things. Here's the deal, and I'm not going to rip on WWE fans, but the WWE is the only combat sport that's really successful still with pay-per-view model because MMA fans, it's not the model anymore. It's streaming. Boxing, for the most part, is streaming. No idea why. And for the life of me, I can't figure it out. And I've tried to think about it. Why the WWE just doesn't air everything on the network, their own network. They don't need the pay-per-view model. But yet, the fans keep shelling out the cash. I don't know why. Um, You put things behind paywalls, and it's hard to get people to give up their hard-earned money. And yet... It seems like no matter what Vince does, WWE fans just say, here, take my money. Um, not shocked that Bailey wound up winning the, the woman's money in the bank. I mean, look, it, it, I'm not personally a fan of the helicoptering the ladder. Not, not a fan of that. Um, but every woman in that match, brought it. Once again, women are showing themselves in combat sports. They're legit. Okay? Um, it's no more, oh, you pretty little thing, and, you know, no, these, these, these women are serious athletes, and, and pound for pound, I think they're better than a lot of the guys, honest truth. Um, Kind of shocked, not shocked that that Brock, Brock Lesnar, 
winds up taking the, the men's money in the bank. Look, he was offered a certain amount of money to take on Daniel Cormier. He was in the USADA testing pool. He turned down that money and got out of the USADA testing pool. So, here's the deal. If he turns around and says, in August, September, October, hey, I want to come back to MMA, and specifically to the UFC, six months, he needs to be back in that USADA testing pool. I don't think that's happening. I think that I'm retired. I don't think he's coming back to MMA ever again. Now that the UFC is no longer a pay-per-view model, but a streaming model, and they don't need the money anymore because the money's coming in no matter what. If, if one person watches or a bazillion people watch, UFC's still making their money. Um, but that being said, it's, it's interesting to see that, that Brock has decided to come back to the WWE. I figured he would have ridden off into the sunset, spent some time on his farm slash ranch up in Canada, just not go away, but go away. Uh, I don't think Shane versus Miz needed to be on a Money in the Bank card. The card was good enough with without. They could have saved that for another card. As far as I'm concerned, um, I give the night a solid, solid B minus. I I think that's a good grade. Uh, I like the fact that you you can cash in your money in the bank immediately, which, for all intents and purposes, wink, wink, you know, like this. Sets up a different type of storyline. For example, look, everyone knew that Becky Lynch was not retaining both belts. I'm willing to bet you Hunter, Steph, Vince, all gave her the choice of which belt to drop. So the fact that she dropped, you know, what she did isn't shocking. I like the fact that... um. You know, um, Bailey and Charlotte going for the belt and finishing it off. I just wonder now, is is there going to be some sort of a storyline between Bailey and uh, Becky Lynch? All these bees are making my brain freeze. Another bee. Um, but I would love to see those two because those two are truly... No offense to Charlotte, no offense to, to Carmella or, or anybody else, Ember Moon. I think that a Becky Lynch and Bailey storyline might be fun to watch. Um, so what we're going to have to do due to time restraints is we're going to need to take another quick little break right now. But first, guys, you know I keep saying it. Share the show, please. It would mean a lot to me.
Um, check out Psyche Prods on Facebook. You guys can enter a raffle, win a cool, cool prize, like the Red Hot Kenny Hodgkins, for example. Um, check out EffectiveAggression.com. With all those T-shirts and that warm weather coming back strong right now, Great prices, great t-shirts. Check them out. Um, and also keep your eyes out for that Tracy Morgan sign glove as well. That'll be up on the site soon. Um, so when we come back, rest of the show is all MMA. Right after this. Hi, I'm Jim Miller. This is Dan Mergliata. I'm Derek Brunson. I'm Nick DeCarney Lentz, and you're locked into the cage with Cyclone. Just like it seems every single week, you know, write the schedule, plan out the show perfectly, and seconds before the show starts, breaking news. And I just go, well, there goes that script. Happened again today. There's two breaking stories. Well, one and a half. First of all, PFL heavyweight champion Felipe Linz is now out of the season um, with an undisclosed injury. Of course, the second I get home, that's when it will become a disclosed injury, and I won't be able to discuss it fully. But that's really crushing because Linz was definitely on the short list of heavyweights to repeat as champion, win another million dollars. Don't know, don't know. I, I kind of, not even looking at the heavyweight roster, I kind of now really like uh, Kevin Tiller. I, I, his punching power is pure. You know, earlier talking about Deontay Wilder, Kevin Tiller has one punch knockout power in both his hands. So, okay, sera, sera for uh, Felipe Lenz. Which, like I said, it's, it's a big loss for the PFL losing him just a couple weeks before his fight. Um, another breaking story. In the city this afternoon, unbeknownst to yours truly, which I don't know why it was unbeknownst to me. I should be on these things, which slipped through my fingers like O.J. Simpson fumbling away a bloody glove. Uh, there was a press conference with Artem Lobov and Paulie Malinaji. And look, I, I love my Brooklyn guys that become pro athletes, but Paulie is so out of line. The first time they faced off, Paulie took a swing at Artem. 
They got face to face. They started chirping. Artem pointed his finger at Paulie. And Paulie spit at Artem. Really, Paulie? Really? You're going to spit on him? You're, you're making people like me root against you. Okay. You're out of your prime. You're, you're no longer fighting for a couple years now. Paulie, Artem, say what you will, has been consistent. And he knows what it's like to now fight bare knuckle. Paulie, you don't. You have no clue. Paulie, if he catches you, your face is going to be broken. And that brings me to a person whose face got broken this past weekend, Sage Northcutt. Now look. I harp and I harp and I harp until I'm blue like Papa Smurf in the face. One championship, those fighters are so much below the radar. Now look, um, Cosmo Alexander is not to be taken lightly. He is a seven-time kickboxing champion. (laughs) I don't know why Sage didn't right off the bat shoot for a takedown. That's what I would have done. But 29 seconds in for Sage to get blasted. And the fact of the matter is, broken orbital bone and eight cheek fractures. I mean, he he broke his face. And here's the deal. You know you've been really clocked if when you get hit, your hair stands up like you stick your finger into an electrical socket. Because that's what happened before Sage face-planted. Now look, I think Sage is at the right weight class. I think Sage just needs more time to adjust to, to the fighters over there. And I think he he didn't ha- I can't say he didn't have a good game plan because 30 seconds into a fight, you can't see a game plan. Um, Shinya Aoki losing his lightweight championship on that same card to Christian Lee, who is uh, Andrea Lee's younger brother. So now brother and sister are both champions. They are flying under the radar. Gary Tonin improving to 5-0. and And eventually, eventually... I see Gary Tonin coming back stateside. I don't know if it will be the UFC. I don't know if it will be Bellator. I'm not going to harbor a guess. But I definitely see Gary Tonin coming back stateside to fight out the remainder of his fighting career. Um, Really fast, I, I think Kevin Lee is in the same boat as Sage Northcutt. Look... The move from lightweight to, to, to welterweight is okay. Some guys, and we saw it with Max Holloway too, okay, stepping up to fight lightweight, you need time to adjust. Your body has to adjust. You're going in there against bigger guys who have the power, who have the speed, and your stuff doesn't translate just yet. Yes, 
Kevin Lee was totally destroyed after the fight, but you know what? After you get smoked, you're going to be destroyed. Uh, I don't... I, 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 I don't see the UFC doing the 165, <coughs> which is a shame because every fighter wants the 165-pound division. I want it. A lot of other people in the media want it. We all know that's what makes sense. The chance of that happening, slim and none. I don't know. I think, look, he's depleting himself at, at lightweight. Walter's a better class form, except the top guys might pound on him. He, Kevin Lee is the perfect example of who should be 165. And look, Conor McGregor's in that mold. Uh, Nick Diaz, if you want to count him, fits that mold. You know, there's a lot of guys that, that, that slide right into that 165 really, really good. And 170 might be too much because I can't see Kevin Lee ever winning a welterweight championship. And unless he goes to a Fight Nights Global, a Cage Warriors, a, a PFL where he could run rampant over over these guys, he, he's in that he's in that catch that that, that middle no, no go zone. Um, I do want to congratulate. I have to say this, Rashad Evans. Being announced as the next member into the Hall of Fame. Um, first thing I heard of when I heard that he was going in was, I remember the day you knocked out my man Chuck Liddell. Look, was Rashad flashy? No. But Rashad, he was workman class. He's... Sort of like the the black version of Michael Bisping. You know, everyone says Michael Bisping was the the the, the, the blue collar workman type fighter. I think that's what Rashad was, and Rashad, with his connection to the Black Zillions, with what he's done away from the cage. Now, look, Bisping's done a a billion things away from the cage too. It's, it's good to have Rashad in there. I, I really do. I, it's something that is completely, absolutely well-deserved. I, I I couldn't whine and crap on that if I wanted to. So I won't. I think him, Bisping, and Rich Franklin are three guys right now that, that uh, you know, I wasn't really a fan of Rich Franklin, but, uh, yeah. Look, He's going in. What am I going to do? Say you're not? Um, anyways, let's move this bulldog along. When we come back, it's going to be game time. But, guys, please, I'm looking. I'm watching. I want you guys that are watching to click share. It would mean so much to me. And don't you want to make me happy? I mean, 
I think I th I think I need to smile. I, I mean, I don't smile a lot, but clicking share will get me to smile. Um, obviously, check out effectiveaggression.com, and keep it right here on Strong Island Television because we are done in a little while. It's the Newman Show. Coming here right after In the Cage with Cyclone. So, like I said, when we come back, it's going to be game time. But first, this quick little break. I'm Dennis Bermudez. Hi, I'm Creepy Ian McCall. Yo, I'm Kelvin Gastelum. This is Mark Goldberg. Yo, I'm the world's most dangerous man. Hall of Famer Ken Shamrock. And you're getting tapped out in the cage with Cyclone. Today in MMA history, we got three birthdays. Bellator superstar Roger Huerto is 36. Another Bellator star, Alexander Storm Schlemenko, who, God, I, I've seen him fight twice now in person, and I am a fan of Schlemenko. Um, he turns one year younger, he's 35, and turning 31... Scott Ashram, and that is This Day in MMA History. Nice, short, sweet, and done. Um, now, we got to get to this. It's everybody's favorite part of the show. Let's do a raffle for a prize. Okie dokie, smokey. Question number one comes from Mr. Rudy Asher. Do you believe Ray Cooper can redeem himself this season in the PFL? And if not, who beats him? Well, I think uh, Magomed, Magomed Karamov could easily repeat as champion. Although it seems that Ray Cooper, especially fighting his cousin last week, or two weeks ago, yeah, two weeks ago now, is really laser focused. Um, he's still very quiet, but seems really, really focused. And I think he's zeroed in on winning that championship. Um, but if it's not Magomed beating him, um, I don't know. Uh, Chris Curtis has a lot of punching power. He can beat him. Former Bellator star Andre Fiello who Curtis just beat, is a possible winner of a championship. Um, but, yeah, I, 
I think Ray will win this year. I, obviously, I don't know. Nobody knows for sure. But I think Ray will win. But if it's not, it's one of those three. Um, question number two comes from Kenny Hodgkins, the red-hot Kenny Hodgkins, who has a lot of gifts coming his way. Um, what are the chances we see Joshua Wilder fight this year? Zero. Nada. Zilch. A big, fat goose egg. No chance. No chance in hell. How's that for an answer, Kenny? Um, if they fight, maybe 2020, maybe more likely 2021. And I don't know if I'll be around to see it at that point. But definitely not this year. No way. Not happening. Um, question number three from Mr. Storm Estes. Who do you think is a likely next opponent for Charles Oliveira? I'll give you two names, Storm. I like Long Island's own from not too far away from here, Mr. Fisherman himself, Gregor Gillespie. I think that would be an exciting throwdown. And I also... I like Islam Makachev to fight Oliveira. One of those two. So I gave you two choices to pick from. I really like the Gregor Gillespie one, though. I think that could be a lot of fireworks, though. Now, let's see who wins before we get out of here. The winner of the prize is numero three. Three. Stormestis. Congratulations, sir. You win Kenny Hodgkin's winning streak. You win. Your prize will be shipped out tomorrow. Kenny, all your past prizes will be shipped out tomorrow. Plus the other things that you and me discussed will be shipped out tomorrow as well. So, that being said, ladies and gentlemen, until next week, I am cycling reminding each and every one of you, just because you're not an athlete doesn't mean you can't be an athletic supporter. Bye-bye!